and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up. So you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And in this episode, we're keeping it rail. That's a pun, you know, because we became Raelians. So what is railism? Is it railism or Raelianism? It's a Raelians. good question. Let's dig right in. Well, I think I, you can. I think you can piece it together from the name itself. You've got rail, which mm-hmm. is spelled R A E L, like the end of Israel. Right. And then you've got alien, uh-huh. which stands for alien, <laughs> <laughs> space aliens. Well, I thought it would be Raelianism, but the papers that were passed out at the event we went to recently mm-hmm. said um, realism. Said realism. So, what do you know? I don't know. Not to be confused with realism. <laughs> very different. This is very different. <laughs> so what? what is realism, Ross? Well, it is a religion. Mm-hmm. I think they'd call themselves a religion. Mm-hmm. And boy, is it an interesting mixture. It really doesn't fit well into traditional categories. No, because they're atheists, but they call themselves a religion. Right, right it, there, I'm lost. Yeah, exactly. So they do consider themselves atheistic. They're generally very left-wing, but it's just this kind of odd mishmash of beliefs that you would not expect. So it was all started by one man, mm-hmm. Claude Voilhon, Frenchman who was a race car driver <laughs> and a poet slash singer-songwriter yeah. of Little Note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Right. Yeah. And then he was visited, according to his story, by the Elohim. And here's where we get that connection to the Israel part. Right. So the Elohim are actually a master race of aliens who created us. Who look just like us. Well, pretty much just like us. Pretty much. He ties together this story about these aliens who live on a different planet who created us. Mm -hmm. He ties this into the biblical Mm -hmm. account of where we came from, our origins, and kind of explains how the Elohim mentioned in the Bible. And that's a good point. God is referred to as Elohim. It's a plural term. It mm-hmm. you know means more than one. And so he says, ah, that was referring to these aliens. And so they believe in intelligent design. Well, yeah, and in, in the most literal sense. Yeah, that we were created by an intelligent species of aliens. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, where did they come from? Mm-hmm. And then, I'm thinking it's turtles all the way down. You're right. That's exactly <laughs> it. Another race of aliens created them, mm-hmm. and then another race of aliens created them. And it gets even more complicated. These turtles go in multiple directions, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll get into that a little later. So Claude actually went up on a mountain and was greeted by... In a, France. In France. France. And it was like a volcanic mountain. And, you know, like you do, you're up, you're hiking, do, 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 do. I hike a lot, yeah. And then, you know, when, like, the alien comes out of the sky, Hi, alien. Yeah, and then they're like... Usually I just keep going. And they're like, hey, Ross, by the way, you've been chosen as the one (laughs) member of humanity who gets to know about your origins. And Um, tell everybody else without any proof except for your memory of this encounter. uh, Right. You were chosen because you're so modest and interesting. Mm -hmm. And by the way, everyone should listen to everything you say. Yes. And we will bless them richly if they do. Right. So classic hiking story. Mm -hmm. So he meets this member of the Elohim whose name coincidentally is Yahweh. Yeah, it turns out he is the eldest of all of these. And, you know, they've been able to extend their lives indefinitely, Mm -hmm. certain ones among them. So he's the oldest of them all. Right. 25,000 years old. Claude goes up the mountain every day for six days. 
I love this. He he gets these long lessons from Yahweh about humanity's origins, and then is like, "Well, peace out. Got to go home." Mm-hmm. And goes home every night, makes his dinner, goes to sleep. He has a wife that he's apparently going back to. Right, and he like takes his notes. Right. He's got a kid too. Yeah. Right. But yeah. you know, he's like, "Hey, family, just checking in. I got to go back out tomorrow and talk to the to the, the alien. Well, uh, you can't he come with tell me." Tell them. So he probably didn't. Oh right. The, uh, the aliens. Told he him said that in his head. So he uh, wrote this all down and released his first book in 1975. And it was called <clears throat> The Book Which Tells the Truth. Very straightforward. Yeah. No uh, <laughs> no gimmicks. No nonsense. It's a book. It tells the truth. Uh, of course, this was in French. The aliens told him that he should form this group called MADEC. And mm-hmm. it's like essentially the welcoming committee for the aliens because that's not the whole story. They're coming back. Right. So what do we have to do first, Carrie, before the Elohim will return and give us their technology? Well, we have to achieve a certain level of technological and scientific success ourselves. Yes. That's one thing. We're working on it. Mm-hmm. We have to convert. And the Raelians, I should say, are very big promoters of science. Mm-hmm. Very, very they're, much. Their brand. So, yeah, not evolution. That's right. a, a science they do not support. And what else do we have to do for them to come back? Oh, yes. We must build an embassy. Mm-hmm. And preferably as close to the Holy Land as possible, as close to the Temple Mount Why area. Does everyone have to put everything there? But I think they've given up on the whole idea of like needing it to be in Jerusalem. Now they've got some other place planned. But they want to build this embassy to uh, Rails specifications. And we told you earlier, his name is... Claude Voilhon, but then he, you know, after he founded Madech, he started referring to himself as Rael, mm-hmm. R-A-E-L, and now everyone calls him the Maitreya. Right, which and, is like Messiah or Master. Right, um, and so, yeah, they want to build this embassy to welcome the aliens, and it should be ready by 2035. Mm-hmm. So after he had already transcribed this one book, the aliens came back and visited him again. Yeah, because and, he'd been doing his mission successfully. Mm-hmm. Right, And they said, you're doing a mostly good job, mm-hmm. but you mistranscribed some things wrong the first time. So they clarified some things, and coincidentally, a lot of things they clarified seemed to really benefit Rail. Yes. And so there was a lot of talk in the second book about, like, no, no, you really need to take the reins on this. You really need to lead this movement and make sure people are paying attention uh-huh. to you and your wisdom. So he put aside the Madak and started his own new Raelian group. Right. And it involved a lot of poontang for him. A lot of free love going on, for sure. Yeah, that's a major component. And in the book, there's... <laughs> There are several parts where he's either taken to their spaceship or he even goes to their planet. Yeah, he does visit their planet where he meets Jesus. He meets Jesus. He meets Elijah. Moses. Moses. Buddha. And and Muhammad. And these strange things come true for him. Like he's just sitting there and Yahweh's like, what would you most like? Would you like some women? And he's like, yeah, I'd like some women. (laughs) And so then they create him uh, a blonde, a brunette and a redhead. And they're like, what do you think? And he's like, I like all three of them. (laughs) And then it says something like, then I had the most amazing bath (laughs) I've ever had Uh, with the blonde, the brunette and the redhead, I guess. It turns out the Elohim share a lot of his interests. They're they're into... (laughs) Making uh, ladies, and they're into like extreme sports and mm-hmm. fast driving. Oh yeah, they love race cars. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence! He likes race car driving. That's so funny. 
There's so much in common. And there's a part where they talk about how important it is to have sports that can kill you. Oh, right. Yes. Because, I mean, basically because of catharsis, like, because watching these things help people get out their aggression, and it's, like, the one safe place to do that. Yeah. And in this planet where people can live, you know, 750 years or even be eternal, you need something to uh, make you fearful Mm -hmm. so you can really enjoy life. Control your population, I suppose, too. So, yeah, he describes this utopia. That became his second book. That's the deal. They have these, do they even call them like scriptures? They kind of treat them as such. They call them the messages. Well, pretty much any time you ask a Raelian a question about any of these beliefs, they'll say, well, have you read the messages? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, not all of them. I'm still working through it. You're like, oh, well, just read the messages. Just read the messages. Which is very much like our experience in the LDS church. That's true. Yeah. Oh, well, have you read the Book of Mormon? Yeah. So yeah, book two was also very, um, very, very oblique title. <laughs> extraterrestrials took me to their planet (laughs) (laughs) guy's subtle he's really subtle straightforward so that was book two i am currently i will admit halfway through book two i've read book one i've read most of book two but i i was like 10 pages away from the end when i left it in our friend spencer's car and we'll get to spencer in a minute later on he released book three let's welcome the extraterrestrials so these three together compose the message and messages uh, messages and they have bound them together as a book called intelligent design which can be obtained for free on the uh, internet it's true well now it's called intelligent design the copy that i have is called the faces of god Mm. which only contains the first two books Mm -hmm. speaking of the internet where you can download this Mm -hmm. i love how in the second book i was just past the part where the aliens are talking about how television is what unites us all as human beings that you know allows anybody to know what is going on elsewhere in the world and you think that's where the aliens might have said oh you've got the internet coming soon you know like they might have predicted that or something didn't call that one oh And I didn't even say, like, in the first book, the first book is almost entirely biblical exegesis. Here's a verse. Here's what they were actually talking about. They are actually talking about aliens. (laughs) Jesus was walking over the water, and he did so with a beam. With a beam. An invisible beam. There's there's so many references to beams. Rays and beams. Yeah, (laughs) and lasers. And so the aliens are always just offstage. They're controlling things with these beams and lasers and rays to make all these biblical miracles and stories that we're used to hearing. But lo and behold, it was the it was aliens all along and sometimes the connection is so tenuous it's hysterical so he tells us the story of peter's escape from the prison so he reads so peter the apostle Mm -hmm. is in prison and the bible story reads that there was a great earthquake and then his shackles came off Mm -hmm. and the door opened okay and he was able to leave and what's rael's explanation for this so yeah he reads the passage from acts 12 and he says Peter, primitive as he was, thought he was having a vision as his chains fell off. He did not know about the electric laser welding torch, (laughs) which is being used by one of the creators. There are two things that I love about this. One is that someone used a laser on him and he could neither see it nor feel its heat. Yes. And then, like, he'll describe other passages where there are angels, describe a mighty rushing sound, and he'll say, Well, that was the sound of their (laughs) jetpacks. And then some of the verses, like you said, were just like so ridiculous. Like they just don't match up with what he just said. And uh, probably our favorite passage in in the first book is him explaining this verse from Mark. (laughs) (laughs) It's Mark 16, 18. And it reads, 
They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then Rael goes on to explain. <laughs> this refers to humanity discovering anti-venom serums and antidotes and developing surgery and so on, as is happening now. So instead of the traditional reading, which is, you know, Jesus's followers will be so beloved by God that they won't be hurt by anything, mm -hmm. instead, nope, this is... <laughs> A reverence to 1,800 years later when they'll start... <laughs> developing anti-venom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at that point, like, just stop. You know, stop searching through the Bible and trying to explain things. Oh, and I love his explanation for verses that don't well translate to the whole alien story. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, those were just added later. Those are corruptions. Of course, we should talk about the creation of this planet. Science tells us that our planet is very old, right, Carrie? Like 4.5 billion mm, years old? I've always heard 6,000 years. What do the Raelians say? How old is the Earth? Old, but not that old. I forget. 25,000 20, oh, years. I was going to say 20,000 years. Okay, 25,000 years. Yeah. Pretty young. Yeah, so they came here 25,000 years ago, and they hovered above the waters, mm -hmm. you know, like it says in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And so then they used giant bulldozers, and they took earth out of the ocean and they plopped it down on top of other earth to create the continents like you do really it was just a single continent you know mm -hmm, pangea mm -hmm. but then the earth divided somehow plate tectonics then took over right where it hadn't done anything before right <laughs> and so that's how we got the earth and then you know they kept creating uh, continuously and experimenting and, and the reason they came to earth at all is because they were these scientists and they had been kicked off their own planet for developing life that seemed too intelligent and powerful they're like go do that somewhere else yeah we don't want your kind here so they came here they and developed even plans though, yeah even though they had already created basically proto-humans they had to start from bacteria <laughs> they again decided instead to start with single-celled organisms right and then the reason that we look as if we've evolved is because they sort of did this forced evolution thing where they started with a single-celled organism and they right. said, that's good, but not that good. And then they <laughs> tweaked it a little bit and said, oh, that's better. And kept doing this over and over and over until they hit. They got to like chimpanzees or, you know, right. like our immediate uh, common ancestors and mm -hmm. said, oh, these are pretty close. Let's add some of our genes in. Yeah, let's add a little bit of our DNA. And then all of a sudden. We got humans. humans. Now we know generally what the Raelian believe oh another key thing is that they are very into sexuality free love yes they believe almost everyone is bisexual there are a few outliers but they're rare mm -hmm. and that we all just sort of need to embrace that and stop clinging to our monogamous heterosexual yeah ways. you shouldn't you know worry about being married or anything just you know do what makes you happy it's mm -hmm. all about happiness if that makes you happy that's great you know and they'll say that so since ryle brought the first messages down the organization has grown to about seventy thousand members at least according to them. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what all that counts. Right. And, of course, they're trying to build up to that 144,000, so they're about halfway there. Right. And they also run several nonprofit organizations. One is CloneAid, which mm -hmm. is just what it sounds like. They're trying to clone humans. Right. Clitoraid, which trying restores... To uh, women's clitorises yeah. who have had female genital mutilation. And I gotta say, the clitoride sounds like a very nice endeavor. Yeah, sure. I mean, at least on paper. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Back to Kama. That's their drive for African Americans to go back to Africa 
and take their wealth with them and contribute their skills to building up Africa into the greatest continent. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because it kind of mirrors our Pan-African investigation, kind of similar goals. But this sort of strangeness of saying, hey, you're black. Right. So you need to go back. And that it's this white guy just sort of ordering all the black people to go back to Africa. Yeah. Awkward. A little awkward. (laughs) Awkward is probably the nicest way to put it. Two more things of note. They love... The idea of geniuses. Yes. And they think that geniuses should actually run the world. Geniocracy is what they call it. He wrote a book by that name. Called Geniocracy. And so, yeah, originally he said geniuses, you know, are intelligent people 50% above the average line (laughs) of intelligence. Right. Yeah, whatever the measure is. And only they should be allowed to vote or run for office. Right. And uh, later on, he changed his definition of genius. Of but, what genius was. So now, a genius is someone who... Loves. Loves the most. Yeah, which is such a coincidence because he is often called, like, the one who... who the most loving being on yeah. the planet. So there you that go. works out well for him, doesn't it? And then the thing that people might know Raelians from in the news, they claim they cloned a person at one point. They did. And there was a big media circus about this. And then, oh, whoops, we've got no evidence of this. <laughs> We'll produce the evidence at some point in the future. We'll let you know. And that's it. Oh, I so, think we've forgotten one of the most important things about the Raelians. What? Their symbol. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you know, you know how... <laughs> you know how, like, Hitler totally fucked up the swastika? Oh, it yeah. It was, like, awesome before. S- symbol of evil now. It was a symbol of peace, and then he is, like, ruined it, right? Yes, yes. So, Let's reclaim that. So... Rather than letting that go. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Remember when the swastika used to be a great thing? <laughs> right. What else do we associate with Hitler? The Jews. <laughs> and they have, a, they have a symbol, too, don't they? Well, how would you... <laughs> if you were to think of a symbol that oh, gosh, represents the Jews... What would that be? You might think of a oh, star. Oh, the Star of David. The Star of David, right. <laughs> so... What two symbols would be a very bad idea to put together? Oh, what would... Well, I guess... Okay. I mean, if you were to think of the most offensive combination possible, I guess it would be like a swastika inside of a Star of David. And that's their symbol. And that's the brilliant symbol. (laughs) So, Carrie, knowing all this, which we did not... We knew none of this going in. Very little. We We knew about the reclaiming of the swastika, but that was... We started going to local meetings. And not knowing too much about their beliefs. Yeah. We knew it involved aliens. Our friend Spencer had actually been baptized as a Raelian before, so he kind of got us an in to go to these events without really raising any eyebrows. He already had connections. And actually, I had attended two meetings with him previously. Oh, right. And the very first meeting I went to, and this was a good four years ago. It was Mm -hmm. a long time ago. The first one I went to with him was this banquet where Rael himself was there. You're so lucky. I know. I got to meet him. And take a picture with him. And he was wearing his white shiny satin suit. The second meeting I went to was with uh, Spencer when he was getting his transmission done, which is their form of baptism. Mm -hmm. And so that also included a guided meditation where I went back 25,000 years and witnessed the creation of the earth. So those were my previous experiences with the Raelians. I had never had any experience with the Raelians, although I had read about them. I have some books on small religious sects, so Mm. I had some background. So we went for the first time, and it was in this woman's apartment. Yeah. And we found quickly that for about 
half an hour or 45 minutes at the beginning of each of these meetings, you just sort of stare at each other. Really awkward. Like, we were told to bring some food. (laughs) So we we bring some food, some snacks, and those get kind of put aside. Right. Like, oh, yeah, we'll get to those later. Right. And then we all just sit around and kind of stare at each other. Look at each other. It was really awkward that first time. Like, Uh it was like we'd interrupted some meeting they were having. Right. But then no one was saying anything. And mm-hmm. might just because there was nothing to talk about. Yeah. they There doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, agenda to these meetings. You just sign to kind of go. They're just there to maybe do a meditation. They'll say, like, this will be a sensual meditation. Mm-hmm. Never once did they do a sensual meditation. That's true. While we were there. Yeah, that's true. It would just be kind of conversation that so, they would have. Yeah. At each of these, we would go around and say our names, you know, where we first heard about Rael or... Whether we had read the messages and those things. Well, and I'd love to. They'd say, does anyone have any questions? Then you'd ask them a question. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and we'd start asking them questions. They'd say, oh, just read the messages. Right. (laughs) And and usually we would ask a question and everyone would pretty much have a very different answer but not seem to even realize that they were giving contrary answers. Right. And so it became very hard to like track what the official story was. The whole meeting was rather surreal. You have to take off your shoes and you go into this little area kind of between the living room and the kitchen kind of awkwardly facing each other on these chairs and it's mostly guys. Yeah, almost exclusively guys. Like Hoping for that free love. As far as women go, there was me... Uh-huh. There was that's one. There was the woman who lived there who wasn't always there, but she's actually the right. national guide for the U.S. And we'd and, usually arrive kind of on time, and you know, like people would trickle in very slowly. So you'd have this awkward moment where it was just you and the main guide for the Los Angeles area. Let's call him Winston. Yeah, we would sit around. We would ask questions of the guides. They don't, wouldn't really throw their weight around or anything. It wasn't like, I have the official answer. Everyone yeah. was sort of welcome to answer the question. Right. It's always just very loose. And, oh, yeah, well, here's my thinking on it. And, uh, you know, I could be wrong. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's my my impression. No, you should read the messages. And, oh, whatever makes you happy. And, yeah, there, there weren't uh, certainly fundamentalist about it. Right. And I think what was the most fun and and the most jolting every time was that they'd be saying just sort of these um, vague things anyone could agree with, you know, like, oh, well, we should all love each other. And wouldn't it be nice if we had peace on earth and things like that? You're like, just kind of going along for the ride. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that sounds Mm -hmm. nice. And then they would just so nonchalantly be like. And, you know, since we know that aliens created us and that they came down and that they talked to Ryle, the race car driver, we know that <laughs> that I would suddenly be like, oh, that's right. That's why we're here. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, uh, I remember um, we went to like a few of these, like I'd say about four of those meetings at this person's house. Mm-hmm. Who we'll w- call uh, Jessica. Jessica. And one of the times I remember I went and you couldn't go mm-hmm. and it was just me and Winston for a long time. And then, you know, a few other people trickled in again. I found out that the other two people that came, he asked them what they were there for. And one of them was there to study religions for a religion class. Oh, right. And so I'm thinking, OK, so they're not even real Raelians. They're just here to, like, find out for a class and a paper they have to write. Sure. And so it's me and these other two people who aren't Raelians. And I'm thinking, my goodness, this movement really isn't that strong. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just a bunch of uh, onlookers. Yeah, even for a big place like L.A., it's pretty fringe. But at other meetings, we would have up to, like, 13 people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes. And, and women would show up occasionally. Yeah, but I think always no more than a quarter of the population would be women. 
Yeah. It was never half. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And there was also another time where I quickly spotted someone who was not Yes. Clearly not a member. Yeah, Carrie picked up on this and she leaned over and whispered, I think that guy is a reporter. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, now that you say it, right. And, you know, he was asking kind of probing questions as well, like we were, Mm -hmm. about what they believed and, you know, explain more about, you know, this planet and everything. Yeah. And And he just seems like a little too, I hate to say this, but a little too kind of collected. Oh, yeah. On top of his game. And he also (laughs) was wearing a suit. Yeah. And most of these people are wearing uh, tie-dye or tribal clothes or some sort of nod to being a traditional. I guess one way to describe it is like all of them have this very kind of abstract way of looking at the world. Uh-huh. And he was looking for concrete details. Right. Uh, specifics. And so we went and talked to him a little bit afterwards and he gave us his card. And sure enough, he was uh, from some media company right. that does like spiritual television. Yep. 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 Another time we uh, we watched Ancient Aliens, yes. <laughs> which is uh, the History Channel's show about how aliens are responsible for every great structure created by ancient humans. And then a bunch of really credulous people who just say, yep, well, it's hard to explain, but it could have been aliens. So we were watching this with the Raelians, and then they would tell us how, oh, they actually consulted the Raelians on this documentary – they just didn't give us credit because they're a little uncomfortable about the Raelian name. Then another time, they showed us a video on YouTube, which you can all see, a message from the designers. Yes, yeah. And so that actually tells the story of Claude Vorilhon meeting the Elohim for the first time mm-hmm. and about all the things that the guy says to him. I highly recommend you watch it. It's very entertaining. Yes, it's pretty great. And the score is oh. pretty great. Oh, yeah. It's out of this world. <laughs> And most of these meetings would have pretty good, uh, largely vegetarian food, so oh, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. That was nice. When we did finally break into the food. Yes, which took forever. And sometimes we'd be sitting there, like, with our, our stomachs growling, and like, it would be like, Can we please get the pretzels now? We've been here since 5.30. This seems like obvious time to eat. Uh-huh. No? Also, uh, of course, of course, I signed up for emails from oh, the yeah, Raylands, because right. I always get emails from everybody. Mm-hmm. They kept talking about these online meditations. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, okay, one of these, I think it's first Wednesdays of the month, I'm going to do this online meditation. So I did. And you join this chat room. They lead you through a meditation. So it was really my first time getting a meditation out of this group, because they never did it at our right. physical meetings. And I never got to join one of the online ones, so what was it like? Yeah, so they call this the planetary meditation, and they've got, you know, various images kind of cycling in the background. They've got, you know, like the picture of the Elohim ship, and then they'd show the the swastika inside of the Star of David, and then they would show some inspirational picture of space. And meanwhile, everybody's just kind of chatting, and one person leads and and guides you through the meditation and says, Mm -hmm. you know, now I want you to picture... You know, that you are in space and you can see the planet of the Elohim and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it's nice. You know, yeah. It's fine. At the meetings, they started telling us about the Happiness Academy. Yes. We like happiness. We like happy things. That's good. And the Happiness Academy is all over the world, right? There Tell me like, more. Happiness all over the world. There are three or four of them. Mm-hmm. There's one in Japan. There's one in the United States. And that's called the Americas Academy, so it covers both Americas. Mm-hmm. And one somewhere in Europe, probably France, mm-hmm. and then one somewhere else. All the Israelians descend on a city for about a week, and mm-hmm. they're happy! They're, they're just happy. They learn to be happy. 
Uh, how much will this cost us? <laughs> and they said, well, if it's your first time, it's $35. Whoa. And we said, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be cheating us out of money? <laughs> Said, no. You're not very good at this, are you? <laughs> <laughs> said, no, it'll only cost you $35, and we'll give you a $35 gift certificate to buy books and videos. Yeah, we said, what? And then we immediately got really excited to buy our offensive jewelry. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, man, I can't wait to have a Star of David with a swastika in the middle. <laughs> we really were planning on that. Yeah, so we signed up for the Happiness Academy, and which it was, was in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, yes. I guess it used to be in Quebec. We packed up our bags. And the Academy is a week long, but because of our work schedules, we were only able to go for about three days of the seven. But they were three unforgettable days. Mm-hmm. So we drove out with our friend Spencer. Spencer Marks. And Spencer already... I guess you'd say he is a Raelian. Yeah. I mean, well, he's had his transmission done, yeah. but he hadn't been to a Happiness Academy yet. Right. He was very sweet and drove us all the way out there. And we stayed with one of our listeners, uh, Becky Campana. Hi, Becky. Becky. Woo! And Mark. And her husband, Mark. Woo. Woo. Thank you. And their two dogs and a cat who are adorable. But that's neither here nor there. The cat was huge. <laughs> a 27-pound cat, you oh guys. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so uh, on the first day, we go and we check in. And immediately they're like, wait. You're checking in now? Is- right, because this whole thing went on for a week, a whole week, solid. And we came Friday of the last week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were like, oh, this you're just coming now, huh? And we're sort of like, well, better late than never, right? Right. And some of the other members had told us, oh, yeah, that's fine. If you right. want to just come for a few days, that's fine. But it turned out that that maybe wasn't fine because they, they were kind kept of bringing it up. Yeah, and they were scrambling, you know, to like, oh, well, hold on. Let me find your registration stuff. Oh, this is very non-standard. Right, right. It's you're very supposed, unorthodox. You're supposed to leave your work for a week and come <laughs> right. here to Vegas, <laughs> hang right. with us. And what do they do all day? First thing that we went into was a meditation where they had all these chairs lined up. Then they also had some mattresses on the floor. Yes. So you've got one of your typical conference rooms. Normally you see all the chairs lined up and they had like maybe three rows of chairs. But then there were all these inflatable mattresses on Mm -hmm. the ground in front of it. And that's where you go lay down and get next to to people. Get get cozy. Yeah. Exactly. And so we, we picked the mattresses. And the people next to us were already going to town on the mattresses. Taking full advantage of the mattresses. Yeah, like (laughs) when we first laid down, there were two guys and two girls on the mattress next to us. Or I should say two men and two women. Mm -hmm. And they were each kind of like fondling each other a bit and, you know, hugging and just being kind of intimate. And then they'd kind of switch it up. And then you'd have like the two women on this one guy sort of rubbing him and kissing him. And then you'd have two guys on this one woman it's you know oh hey they've got this kind of open relationship thing right, going on right and and uh, uh not just heterosex but same sex stuff going on too it's just uh, free for all they do make a point to actively encourage that which is nice uh one of their organizations is called artemis mm-hmm. saying hey we accept gay people and here's pictures of men kissing right. we're, we're, we're cool with that it doesn't bother us the first meditation oh, yes. was pretty excellent. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> so this guy got up in, in front and had a, a slideshow that mm. went along with the meditation. And he told us to um, to look at the word Elohim and focus on the vowels. Mm-hmm. Because first you have the E, which you don't say E. Don't say E. It's, it's not a. E. A. Elohim. And that, that sound... 
is a healing sound for the body and the mind. Which actually reminded me of meditations I've done before where you like you would focus on a certain sound or, you know, the ohm or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in this case, they were making the claim that each vowel actually had like some psychic vibration that had power over you. Special properties. Right. So to give you energy to make you feel peace. Yeah, the one for the energy I remember was specifically energy for your brain, not Mm. for some other part of you. Well, brain takes up a fifth of your energy, so yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Why not? So anyway, this sound went on forever. Each (laughs) vowel was like five minutes. Oh yeah. So yeah, you're going, and then eventually you run out of air. And so you just have to stop, but other people are still going. So then you kind of join back in. And then they start telling us to vary the tones. People are going like. That's lovely. Thank you. So, yeah, it just kept going and going and going for a long time. It was kind of cool, you know, hearing a room full of people producing this sound, but it was also kind of funny, and I was trying not to laugh. And you brought up the point later that it's kind of funny to listen to a bunch of Canadians singing, eh. It comes naturally, I'm sure. So, anyway, no, you can't believe how long these vowels were. It took a long time. (laughs) You know, because we also had O and E from Mm. Elohim. (laughs) So, yeah, all together, just saying this word 20 minutes later? Yeah, like 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Yeah. The next thing was to talk about all their different organizations. One of the main guys, one of the people in the structure... The, the structure is when you become an active member of the Elohim's organization. Right. So we'll call this guy Randy. Okay. Randy gave this presentation about the different organizations, and there was mm-hmm. just this one very sloppy slide that he put up that said the names of all the organizations bullet pointed and then at the bottom, etc. Right. So he says, well, I'm going to have someone from each of these organizations come up and tell you about it for about 10 minutes. And we're looking at a list of like 15 organizations. So I was like, oh, fuck. Better hurry up. (laughs) So we actually didn't hear from all of them. Thank goodness. These people need Toastmasters. (laughs) Let me just say. (laughs) Or even just prepare an actual talk. I don't think most of them had. Every single one like got up, made an apology about the technology not being ready. You know, like, <laughs> for this organization that like claims to prize science, they really can't get a fucking PowerPoint together. Uh, Frank, I um I gave you the file like three days ago. Right. You have that? Uh, all right. Well, while I watched he's looking... you make a folder for it on your computer. You called it Randy. <laughs> They're having this conversation. <laughs> Over the microphone. Right. Well, we're just sitting there bewildered. <laughs> so one by one, we, we watched them try to switch presentations. One would have like a song playing in the background, and then it would switch slides, and the song would just come to this. <laughs> dead dead halt. <laughs> <laughs> no fade out or transition or anything. Right. Oh, um, so I think the first speaker was the woman from Go Topless. Yeah, she was definitely interesting. She came out topless. She came out topless to mm-hmm. tell us about how you know women should have the legal yeah. right to go topless. Good looking lady. Uh huh. And then she brought on four people onto the stage: two topless people, a man and a woman, and mm-hmm. two not topless people, a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. 
And well, then, with like bikinis on. Right. And then stood the two topless people next to each other. And it was a woman with very small breasts and then a man with, uh, you know, average man breasts. Mm-hmm. And then was like, does it really matter if either of these people don't have their shirts on? I mean, and the implication was like, this woman is so flat chested. I mean, what's the big deal? And oh, I felt okay. very embarrassed. Yeah, I didn't her. pick up on that. Yeah, well. It was just, you know, look, it's all the same anatomy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's what she would say And about they showed it, a but... bunch of photos of their, like, rallies and mm-hmm. protests where they went out with uh, no tops on. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, all very entertaining. Yeah. All these topless people. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on board with that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, anyone should have the legal right to do that. Yeah, as long as there's no pressure for anybody to go topless who doesn't want to, then yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, Right, right. She spoke, but, of course, it wasn't really a talk. It was just sort of like, no, seriously, we should be allowed to do this, right? It's silly that we can't, right? Yes. That was about... Now I'll sit down. That was about the extent of the depth that was presented. Right. But they still did manage to make this about 15 minutes. (laughs) Right. Lots of pictures. And then... She got uh, off stage and put her shirt back on. Right. And the the slideshow was really long on that one. Yes. Of topless people. So, okay. That's fine. Let's see why that's long. Wasn't the song like about a bicycle and it was really oh, random? It, no, it was the Queen song. Bicycle. Oh, right. Bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> what has this got to do? <laughs> well, because there was this one like there, naked bicycle race right. included amongst oh, all these other photos. Okay. okay. <laughs> Tenuous, but okay. Then they had one of the uh, few black people there come mm-hmm. up and speak about back to comma uh-huh. and about how black people should go to Africa. <laughs> and then like listed specific famous black people who like if they Oprah would just and... go back, right. we would have so Africa would have so much more you money. Know, these 20 people here, if they went back to Africa, their tax money alone would inject $4 billion into the economy. Mm-hmm. Which could be a great lesson for all of us that, you know, with just a little bit of our excess, if we sent it to the areas of the world that really need it, like we could make a huge difference. And that's a great lesson. Sure. But to pick out these specific people because of their skin color and be like, you owe it to this yeah. continent to move seems um, racist. Right. <laughs> and, th- and then they had someone to come up and talk about, you know, participation in gay rights parades and how mm-hmm. you know, the Raelians have supported that. Oh, mm-hmm. good. You know, right. all these social issues were really mm-hmm. behind. Uh, Clitorade. Right. We were surprised to actually see there was a bit of progress where they showed a hospital that's being built mm-hmm. in Africa. And they even have a few surgeons. One of them was there. Mm -hmm. And they said that they, I believe they had serviced 33 women already. So that's fantastic. One of the guys came up and he was in charge of the creation of the embassy that they need to build for the Elohim. Yes. And his message was essentially... Yeah, it'd be really great to have this. Shouldn't we? I can't wait for this. this Shouldn't gonna, we build it? It's going to be great. Yeah, and he, he said, I read the messages and the part about the embassy was what was really interesting to me. So I actually wrote to Matreya and I said, is anybody in charge of this project? If there's nobody, I would like that to be me. And Matreya gave me his blessing and now I am in charge of it and we will build it. And and here are some drawings. <laughs> Here's what it will look like. And uh, don't worry about the land. We got the land taken care of. Right. He said, we know a few people who have said that they could donate the land. Yeah. And he didn't say anything about, like, donating money. He was even kind of discouraging people from giving <laughs> yes, money. Yes, I know. I kept thinking as someone who works for a nonprofit, thinking this is terrible donor relations. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, you don't need to go give money or anything. Right. It's all taken care of. It's all cool. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this embassy is actually described in intricate detail in the messages as we were reading. 
reading it, we were like, is he just building himself a house? Pretty much. Because it says that Rael is supposed to live in it. And then it goes into this detail like there should be seven bedrooms. There should be a very nice pool. Though those seven <laughs> bedrooms are all like hermetically sealed because those are supposed to be for the visiting Elohim. Mm. They they have a different kind of atmosphere than we do. Right. So, uh, you know, they always need to wear some kind of uh, special protection. That we can't see, though. When they first created us, I guess they had less advanced spacesuits. But, yeah, now it's an invisible a series of rays or right. beams, beams. <laughs> lasers that, that, that keep the atmosphere you know to their liking and then there's supposed to be like conference rooms for 21 people mm-hmm. and there's supposed to be a pool outside that should be guarded from with prying eyes with a very tall hedge so people can't be looky loos and see what rail's doing in the pool <laughs> so anyway there were these Pretty drawings of the Mm -hmm. embassy and how it would look. And he was just sort of like, yeah, this is going to happen. But there was no hint of there actually being progress. And I definitely felt like, oh, this is in good hands. Right. (laughs) But it's going to be done by 2035. Pretty soon, guys. Uh Pretty soon. Yeah, it's coming up. So they would give us breaks where we could go back to the house and prepare, go get dinner. We tried to use our gift certificates to buy our offensive jewelry. And we're told that we couldn't use it on that. We could only buy books and DVDs. DVDs. Lame. So I bought a lot of books. Yes, yeah, Spencer gave you his gift certificate. Yeah. So you had the combined power of $70, and you got a lot of I books. I got a lot of books to give to people. I got a copy of Intelligent Design. I was reading the digital copy, so that was cool. And then I got a meditation CD, so I got that. Very nice. I got so many more things than you, though. It was insane. My favorite thing that I got is a pin that says, I love rail. All my friends are getting in books for the next several holidays, except you. You already know. You yeah. don't need the message. I, I, messages so that night we watched a movie called i I am Am. and i thought it was crappy and it was just kind of a mainstream movie it it wasn't produced by the raelians or anything they even prefaced it saying you know this has some really nice thoughts though it has like a science section that talks about evolution which we don't agree with i thought it presented some interesting information but it didn't tie it together it was boring i thought it was just like really you know pseudoscience-y it had a lot of that but it had some good stuff too yeah Yeah. for sure but yeah we watched that in a group and that a lot of people showed up for that i'd say there were like a Mm -hmm. good 50 people in the room for that and at the greater happiness academy i'd say there'd be like up to 100 people they said like 160 i don't think there were that many people i don't know i'm always bad at guessing those things and and there were more women this time Mm -hmm, like and some good looking ones too yeah and some good looking men it seems like in the raelian community as people grow older, they really take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. You were pointing that out to me. These women in their 40s and 50s look great. Like, their yeah. bodies are just really toned. They're really fit. Uh-huh. Good for them. Yeah. And the, and the men, too. Like, everybody looks... Yeah, some good-looking looks guys. very healthy. Yeah, like, all the people in the structure, really, mm-hmm. who would, like, kind of become really part of the organization were just really attractive really, yeah. people. Look Model like they had it together. And, yeah. And men. The, after that, after the first day, we were like... This is exhausting. Oh, man. It was really tiring. Like, they just go on for a long time. Yeah. Then they give you their break, and then they go on for a long time again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we went and sat on the chairs on the second day. And so we started another meditation in the morning. My favorite meditation. (laughs) This is pretty awesome. (laughs) So this meditation was about picturing the embassy that's going to be built for the extraterrestrials to come and visit. And so he's telling us about how fantastic it's going to be when the Elohim finally arrive and we're all standing there, all people of all colors. And he's telling us to picture this, you know, experience it with him and our eyes are closed. And of course, for a while, there's, you know, music going on, meditation style music. All of a sudden, 
the the track ends and they start playing a new track. Playing. And like and I hear two bars of it. Yes. I'm like, okay, why are they playing the, the Lion, Lion King, King soundtrack? <laughs> Well, actually, I, I knew you were up. gonna recognize it. I was like, "Oh no!" If I look at Carrie, I'm gonna burst out <laughs> laughing. But I just had to see, like, okay, Carrie's getting this too, right? So I look over. And I was like staring at you. And he... <laughs> so I was immediately like, "Okay, close my eyes. I cannot look at Carrie now." I burst out laughing. And I just started. Oh my gosh! I was literally holding my nose closed the way you do when you have a sneeze <laughs> to try not to laugh. I was curled over. I wasn't even like trying to make it look like I wasn't laughing because everyone's eyes were closed. Right. So uh, like my body was shaking. I was just like, don't laugh, don't laugh. And all I could think was just don't get to the part where they chant. <laughs> let the song end. Before- like not only did he let it play the whole song, but he like choreographed it. He was prepared. Right. Like, so he gets this part. He's like, and all the people will start chanting and singing. And it <laughs> oh, so hilarious. Oh, it was amazing. That was my favorite meditation for sure. And it's like, how do they think that all these people will not have all seen Lion King and immediately think of the powerful visuals? Right. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. So that was great. So then they talk for a bit after that. and Oh, and while he's doing this meditation, they just play on loop this video. Someone's done a little 3D rendering Mm -hmm. of the embassy. embassy. And so they just keep flying down through the clouds and then look at the embassy and stop and then fly down through the clouds and look at the embassy and stop and then fly down through the clouds. So they're doing that over and over. We, We broke for like 10 minutes and we came back and then they just started playing us these clips. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Random clips from the internet. So, first there was this ad for BBC Life with David Attenborough. Yeah, and he's, oh, he's saying yeah. the lyrics to what a, what a Wonderful World. But what does it have to do with I them? I to myself, what a wonderful world. <laughs> Made me want to go watch the BBC Life, but I was waiting like, oh, are we going to watch it? Cl- no. So this then they started playing. Then they played an ad for a German translation system. Like language learning software. Uh, which was, it was a very funny commercial. It's this distress signal being sent to this German Coast Guard. And they say, help, we're sinking, we're sinking. We're sinking. Says, ah, what are you sinking about? Right. <laughs> very funny and clever. But I, I thought, okay, is there like gonna be a talk about language or something but yeah. no 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 time the next thing some language comedy from monty python funny Which is stuff really funny yeah it's great like, oh, leading like, oh, up to languages okay. but then then we watch a <laughs> 10 minute clip <laughs> of random jim carrey presenting meryl streep with a lifetime and he's just doing his typical Jim Carrey shtick. You know, he'll say something funny, and then he'll just go, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing something crazy, look at me. And then he'd say something funny, and then he'd, like, run into the middle of the crowd. Right. And, it, yeah, it goes on for, like, ten minutes. And so, like, some of it's uh, funny, but I find Jim Carrey obnoxious after a while. And yeah. it's supposed to be he's giving a presentation to Meryl Streep, but instead it's all about him, you know? Right. Everyone's laughing, but we're both just thinking, like, so what's this going to tie into? This is interesting. What's this got to do with and what did it tie into? Nothing. Oh, right. Nothing. Yes, yeah. I have that in my notes here. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then Jessica, who's the North American guide, she gets up there 
it was just such amateur hours. She was just talking about how, you know, oh, I'm so happy and I'm just, you know, filled with love. And and I don't know. What did she even say? Was there any content there to it? There was nothing. It was not a talk. And it she kind of just... tapered off to this point, like, well, what do I say now? She didn't know. So she just awkwardly starts singing, love, love, love. 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 And she's grabbing There's these hearts that are descending from the roof and hovering over the stage. So she kind of grabs some of them, puts her face between them, and <laughs> sings this little awkward love, love, love thing, and then gets down off the stage. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're making me uncomfortable. I feel embarrassed for you. <laughs> So next there was this woman, and I'm going to say her real name because she is the second person in the organization. She's a public figure. Mm -hmm. Her name's Brigitte, and she basically travels on Rael's behalf. And Rael was supposed to be at our Happiness Academy, but at the last minute, wasn't. So she came in his stead to give a talk that was basically just, things Rael wants you to know. Right. And there would be one slide each devoted to something that really should have, like, 45 minutes to explain it. And they weren't connected in any fashion. So, the, the, I'll say at least she had, I think, probably the best presentation style oh, definitely. of anybody who spoke at that entire Although the convention. bar was really low. But, yeah, <laughs> she at least had things to say, basically. Yeah, yeah. So the first one was, people are too dumb to elect good leaders. And right. so she, like, presented this bell curve and said, you know, the voting public tends to be at this particular spot on the bell curve. And so they elect people who are slightly smarter than that, but if only very smart people can vote, then they vote people who are even smarter than that into office. Mm. And there was no reference to any, like, study or anything. She was just like, Rael wanted you to know about this Uh bell curve. She also told us that there are many free energy devices that have been created and that they've been suppressed. She said, and it's not a conspiracy theory. They've just been suppressed by corporate interests. <laughs> so it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a theory about a conspiracy that's happening. Something like that. Right. <laughs> she talked about how doctors die differently from other people, which you know right. does seem to be backed. I read a I recent read. article about that. Yeah, right, they, right. they don't use the extensive chemotherapy. They just kind of spend time with their loved ones and right. die as peacefully as possible. Yeah, I don't know if there's been much survey research on this, but this does seem to be like the anecdotal agreement. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you're not going to get very sick if you have enough love. Right. That's and then they say problem. one of their tips for living a longer life, and that's fasting. Fasting once a week. And then she said, it's better than calorie reduction at lengthening your life, which I hadn't even heard that calorie reduction lengthened your life. Well, well, there's supposed to be does. tests that, uh, at least in rats, and she referenced that, mm. will live longer if they have this caloric restriction. But, of course, at what effect upon your health. Right. And yeah, I mean, what does the calorie restriction mean? Like, if it's just keeping you from being obese, then sure. Yeah, like pretty extreme restriction. Bish said, oh, you can just get around all that by fasting once a week. Ta-da. She also said that DNA molecules communicate in the universe. Yep. I don't know what that means. She sure did. And then she talks about ghost DNA, but just kind of glossed over it. And and then she said, this partly explains our transmission, how it works. Right. And we'll get into our transmission a little bit later, but it's their version of baptism where your DNA is uploaded to a computer that the Elohim run. So there's this whole idea that uh, DNA releases light and electromagnetism and that somehow they can harness this. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure this had something to do with quantum entanglement. Oh, it's yeah. Spooky to. action at a distance. For right. sure. Um, well, because the Elohim have discovered ways to move faster than the speed of light, apparently. Right. Seven times faster, but that was just in the past. They've even moved faster than that since then. There you go. One was that nothing is constant in the universe. Right. Uh, the alpha constant of electromagnetism might be variable. Mm-hmm. 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 Those are words. 
<laughs> Indeed. Also, you know, in conjunction with her talk, they showed a TED video, like one of the TED talks. Yeah, and it was from Peter Diamandis, right? Yeah, and it was fantastic. It was a really cool video about new technology, and at least that one kind of tied into what they were talking about. That's great, mm-hmm. you know. Right, right. I, I think actually that was like the best piece of information I got out of the entire yeah, it was a TED talk convention, <laughs> right? Because it was legitimate science from a right. TED talk, and you could watch it on your own online. Oh, right. So we finally left, went back to the house that night. There was a special banquet dinner, and yes, and it had been advertised as the big banquet dinner with Rael, but of course Rael didn't make it. He's still in Japan. So instead, it was this like show that we mm-hmm. got to watch <laughs> that first included all these young. Young women singing, we love you, Elohim. <laughs> and they're all white dresses that barely covered their bodies. Yes. Yeah. Some were kind of like mesh and see-through. One particular lady with very large breasts kept wandering over to our table, getting a lot of attention from the men, as you might guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were terrible singers. It was so sad. And the <laughs> so bad. first and there was an, there was a soloist who was like terrible. The first day we arrived, we heard them practicing and we're like, oh, we love this already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's so bad. And they're all, they kept, the refrain was like, we love you, Elohim. So they're singing and looking up at the sky with their hands raised. It was so much like church. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah, you could have just replaced Elohim with Jesus. Elohim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we actually got split up. They very loudly on the microphone announced our arrival because we were later than everybody else. Yeah, well, like we arrived at the time the dinner was supposed to start and they were already singing. Right. And so someone got on the microphone and was like, are there three seats anywhere? And everyone looks up at us and we're like, oh, hello. (laughs) So they had to split us up. We went to different tables. And I sat next to someone who was kind of a recent convert to Ralism mm. and um, had a lot to say about his experience. And it was another one of those weird conversations where it, most of it sounded relatively normal, like uh, like any other conversion story I've heard to a religion where he's like, well, you know, I was kind of hitting a rough time and I was reconsidering things and mm. someone you know, gave me the scriptures and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it felt very normal to me, like listening to anybody else's story. And then he'd say, and, you know, it just made sense to me that aliens came and seeded our planet. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it just, it was like, yeah, this all clicks. Yeah, I know what you mean, Courtney. <laughs> right, because the whole idea we're there is because this speaks to us as well. Right. It's a pretty clever story and way of explaining everything we observe. But, yeah, I can't say I was too convinced at this point. No. Well, my table was very silent, at least to me. Like, I was sitting next to another guy who'd come from L.A. that we'd met previously and his wife. And then everybody else was French-Canadian. There were seven other people at the table, and they were all like they'd been involved for over 20, some some even like 30 years that they'd mm-hmm. been involved in the Raelian movement. And uh, so they just already were doing their own thing. And it, it, I talked to this one civil engineer for a while, and this other guy kind of leaned in to explain a few things to me. But really, there just wasn't much conversation. I was sitting there kind of awkwardly by myself. Well, I had one of the most enlightening conversations at that table with a woman next to me who was also French-Canadian and who had been in the movement since a couple years after Ryle founded it, so mm-hmm. a long time. She said, oh, a lot has changed since then. And we're getting newer and better people. 
And I said, oh, what do you mean? And she said, well, like you and your friends, just, you know, like newer, smarter people. And then she said, the first year that we had the Happiness Academy 30 odd years ago, Ryle told us that we all needed to sleep with 30 people each. And so I just spent the whole week just trying to meet all 30 people and, and have you know, sex with them. Have sex with them. And this woman's like in her 60s now. And she's saying this all like very calmly. And I must have like startled a little bit at it, you know, because I, you're doing the Mormon I, woman pose with your hand on my your hand chest. My heart. You know, it just sounded like so manipulative. I must have reacted in some way. Yeah. And just the way she was presenting it so calmly. But she said, oh, 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 I, I don't mean we were forced to. Uh, we didn't mm. have to, but it was it was suggested, you know, so that we could open up. And that's what I started feeling uncomfortable for these people oh, you know yeah. just like ooh, what kind of like emotional manipulation is going on here and one may ask how did this woman know about you and your friend we didn't mention that earlier in the day we'd been called up on the stage to introduce ourselves and so we went up there briefly to tell who we were and uh how we'd gotten into this and that we'd read the messages and everything. So, yeah, everyone had kind of met us in that fashion. Yeah, whenever I was asked, like, how did you come up on the messages, I was so aware that my answer didn't have the oomph of everyone else's because everyone else would just say, and then I read them and I knew it was true. And, of course, like, part of RMO is that we, you know, we try not to lie at all and we try not to obfuscate the truth as much as we can. Right. So I wasn't going to say that, you know, they had spoken to me. So I would say things like, I read the messages and it was like nothing I'd ever read before. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept saying that. But when they called me on stage, I said that and then quickly changed the subject to, I have two dogs. (laughs) And I'm here with my friend, Ross. Smart. And I, uh, from L.A., and, and I'm just sort of rattling off facts uh-huh. about myself to try to distract from... And yet you, you know, still impressed this story. lady for the caliber of people <laughs> joining this organization. Right. <laughs> which tells you something. So I spoke in full sentences. Uh-huh. Impressive. But at the dinner, Ryle called yeah. us. Yes. And he, he called in on Skype from Japan. This guy travels a lot. I mean, he's been to another planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Nothing beats that after that. And he's in Japan. They had a very shaky Skype connection. Again, their usual technical proficiency in getting this up on the screen. But eventually he was talking to us. Mm-hmm. The basic message was, I love you and we know the truth. Mm-hmm. And again, not like a really prepared thought or and anything. And we're so happy at this time of the year that the Elohim are near to us mm-hmm. because the next day was going to be April 1st. Which is the anniversary of the creation of the first human. April a- Fool. April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then most awkward thing I think we saw the whole time. Yes. They had <laughs> Rails girls or Rails angels or whatever they call them. The women wearing the white skimpy dresses. Right. Many of whom are like 19. All um, sing into the camera for him. Sing, Zooby, Zooby, Zoo, Zooby, Zoo, Zooby, I love you. Zooby, Zooby, Zoo, Zooby, Zoo, Zooby, Zoo, I love you. And it just over and over. It's like over and over with no key change or anything. It's just the same thing as if it's on loop. That song just makes me so uncomfortable. 
the zooby zooby zoo thing. And uh, I turned to the guy next to me, one of the French Canadians, and said, "Hey, what is this all zooby zoo? Does it mean? Is it just nonsense? Does it mean anything?" And he said, "It's bizou. It's a kiss. Bizou kiss. Yeah." He was very happy to explain that to me. Oh, thanks. Okay, it's still annoying. <laughs> but halfway through the song, like he signed off, not realizing that they were singing to him, and then was like, "Oh my god, I missed the girls!" And then he called back in, and he was like, "Okay, sing to me." <laughs> and then these girls are all singing to him, and you get the feeling that they've all slept with him, and he's just uh, singing along, bopping his head. And I, at that point, I was not sold on this dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, boy, this guy's found a really clever way to get through life. Yeah, yeah. Wearing his white satin suit. Yeah, but oh, but I thought about when I saw him on there and finally saw him live, I was thinking about his suit too. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, my feeling about this, and I could be wrong, is that it seems like something that was created and manipulated by this person. Mm-hmm. And so he's sort of this evil genius character in my <laughs> mind. And still, you're wearing this goddamn ugly as shit outfit. (laughs) It's like white outfit with weird pipings all over it and this enormous swastika. I think it's formulated so, you know, you've got these shoulders that stick out really far. I think it's to look. It's something like Jafar. But I think it's supposed to kind of resemble like part of the Star of David or something to form this kind of triangle oh, that points downward. To his penis. Right. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's funny because my internal dialogue was, A, you got to have that thing dry cleaned all the time. Oh, cause yeah, because it's like white, it's white. It's white, white, bright white. And, and then my second thought is there's got to be some devoted follower out there who made the suit. And I just pictured her presenting it to her like, yeah. Yeah. I made it for you, my prophet. Right. <laughs> Thank you, my child. Oh, and I'm glad you called him the prophet, because that reminds me. Yes. At this dinner, we were talking about how the transmissions were the next day, and mm-hmm. I was like, I want to get one. Yeah. And so they got, they all got very excited at my table, and they started talking about, like, well, what are the requirements? But they said, well, if you've read the messages, and if you know that Maitreya is the final prophet, and it reminded me so much of our Mormonism. Mormon baptism. Yeah. Yeah, because that's Same what they thing. say. Joseph Smith was the was a prophet. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, like, going back in There's time. There's a stunning amount of correlations between him and Joseph Smith and between him and L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Like, just very similar modern religions created for modern needs. And still take the text that people are comfortable with, in mm-hmm. this case, the Bible. And co-opting them. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and reinterpreting them, re-explaining right. them with this modern twist mm-hmm. and somehow making you a god or, you know, mm-hmm. giving you more power. Involving other planets. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, finished our delicious dinners. Well, and we were we were getting exhausted. Yes. It's like, boy, those Raelians, they can outlast us. Yeah. <laughs> and they... <laughs> We have energy, but my goodness, these people go all day, and we were so tired of this. Right, and when we're finally like, okay, we're just gonna, we'll go in, we'll go in ten, fifteen minutes. They start playing clips from Avatar. Oh, right. Yes. Like a, yeah, like a ten-minute clip from the beginning of Avatar, but not the very beginning, just like a random part, you know, in the in the exposition of the movie. Right, but it's showing us, you know, about advanced science and how we'll be able right. to inhabit the bodies of others. You know, <laughs> right. you're so, saying that as if it's a given. You know, we'll be able to inhabit the bodies of others. Well, of course, it's inevitable. Um, and they were clapping for it. You know, right. Oh, such. yeah. And then, yeah, like, this is what the Elohim will do with us. <laughs> right. And then scenes from the Fifth Element. 
Uh-huh. And and these would all just come to a screeching halt. They right. didn't pick any part where and there was next. a natural scene break. They would just be like, I'm done with that. Yeah, well, I think they found some video on YouTube that had already been cut together of all this futuristic stuff. And, you know, like, oh, look at these sex bots. They'll do whatever you want them to. Right, and everyone's like... Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for this mixture of (laughs) metal and plastic to sit on my penis. (laughs) Looks great. So, yeah, they showed us all these random things. And Carrie kind of wandered over to my table like, are you ready to go? I think we can go now. I was like, well, let's just wait a few more minutes. And it was a good thing we waited, too. Because we got some really good, like, interpretive dances. Yeah. A bunch of nearly naked men who went running through the crowd. Right. Dancing uh, with bikinis. pasties. Yeah, that was cute. Uh-huh. And then the lady came up and she was dancing, uh, doing some kind of, like, I don't know, like, she was dressed like a belly dancer, sort mm-hmm. of. But she was just doing was interpretive dance a, with a sheet. Right. And she was, like, an actual dancer on, like, some of the singers, for example. Right. Moment of professionalism. That was well appreciated. <laughs> and so then finally we were like, okay, we, we got to go. And we would have to get up early to go to the transmissions. And right. we can't believe all these people are staying out so late. But and we still haven't been told when we needed to yeah, show up. Yeah, we need to know when we're all supposed to meet to take the bus to go to the transmissions. So I find someone who's kind of in charge of some of the things for this event. And I ask her and she's like, just come to the 8 a.m. meditation and like, we'll say no. it there. <laughs> no, please, God, No. <laughs> No more meditations. But seriously, we were the last ones to arrive there, and we were, like, the first to leave. Like, right. I don't know how they could stand it for so long. I don't know. They get all their energy from all those, oh... <laughs> I guess so. Energy for the brain. Oh. So the next day, we get up. It's very early. We take a car ride out to the middle of nowhere <laughs> to get baptized. And I bet you're wondering what the hell happened to us out there, but you don't know... Until the next episode. Oh, no. I, got, I know. I gotta wait. I know. But don't worry. It's going to be really, really good. It's worth the wait. So, Ross, before I hear what your favorite moments were so far. Yes. We have a shout out. Shout out. For Ivan Alvarado. Ivan. Woo. Woo. We actually know Ivan. Hi, Ivan. From the IIG. The Hi, Independent Ivan. Investigations Group. And then we have two people that we're going to send limericks to. We have James Sullivan. James Sullivan. Woo! Woo! Thank you. And we have Sarah Champion. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. We like Sarah. And her husband, Mike Bailey. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you. Yeah, we've heard from them before they um, contacted us after our Mormonism episodes because they're both former Mormons. So, Ross. Yes. Up until our baptism, yes. what was your favorite moment of the Raelian investigation? All right. Well, I've already recounted some of my favorite moments from our recent investigations. When I attended Spencer's transmission, we were at Runyon Canyon Park, which is in L.A. A lot of people take their dogs there. Uh, you know, very popular. And so this guy comes over and he says, hey, uh, I was uh, doing some yoga out here earlier and I, I lost my keys. I can't find them. And so I start, you know, kind of looking around the grass trying to find them for him. And he says, hey, uh, is this is this what the sign says it is? And uh, so I'm trying to play kind of cagey, but I'm still within earshot of the other aliens. And I say, uh, what does the sign say it is? <laughs> he says, something to do with aliens. And so I'm in this awkward position where I have to, like, explain to him. <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, they believe that aliens are the ones mentioned in the Bible and they created us. He kind of, you know, smiles and nods the whole time. He says, well, I'm sure it's all true. <laughs> and I just felt so embarrassed. Like, I wanted to run after him and be like, I don't really believe this stuff. I'm just investigating. <laughs> Well, my favorite was definitely 
this moment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then how... I totally agree. Immediately, I was just thinking, Simba, you are the one true king. You oh. must take your place in the circle of you, light. You leaned over to me and you said... Oh, yeah, and I said, everything, everything the light touches. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. I'm so lucky I didn't start breaking out laughing. Everything the light touches. <laughs> oh, man. But my favorite moments, you know, have to all happen the next day during our yes. baptism transmission. So you got to tune in next time uh-huh. to find out what happened there. And we'll also have a special guest next time. Yes. Um, who went on the trip with us. Yes, Spencer, who can tell you what it's like to travel with two knuckleheads like us. Before we go, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, this is such good free entertainment. Well, guess what? It's not free. That's right. It's paid Pay for. Up. <laughs> Pay up. It's paid for by very nice people like Sarah and Mike and Ivan and James and you. So you should go to onopodcast.com and click the donate button and give us some money so we can keep on making good investigations like this where we have to travel and drive across state lines. Absolutely. We couldn't have even done this. Nope. Six months ago, so nope. So, um, yeah, the the more donations we get, the bigger and better investigations we can do. That's it for our show. Our producer is Ian Kramer, and our theme music was written by Brian Keith Dalton of Mr. Deity fame. Visit mrdeity.com to see Brian and Amy, his lovely wife, and in this recent episode, me, Gary. Remember, you can find us on the web at onopodcast.com or facebook.com slash O-N-R-A-C. And be sure to check out our pictures by liking us. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff up there. Uh, Great conversations. We Mm -hmm. respond to everything. We post new images. So, yeah, check us out on Facebook. Yeah, that's the place to be. And please remember...